Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 63. It's a guest week. And our skill topic for the week is geek smithing. So, of course, we had to have Wes come on. Wes, welcome to the show. Thank you. You found the bell. Welcome. I Thanks. did find the bell. Yeah. Good beer. So, Wes, if you had to give us a, a range, what skill class is geeksmithing? I would say it's a loose, uh, loose seven. A loose seven. Uh, loose sounds, seven. Sounds like you had too much Mexican. You're going to be in the bathroom for a while. It's a, it's a loose seven. I'll yeah. tolerate that answer. Yeah. 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 Now, now, Wes, just just so we could start off on the right foot here, for those people that don't know what geeksmithing is, could you give us a little snapshot? Sure. Uh, I would say that it's leveraging or even weaponizing of geeky pop culture as a inspiration to create something awesome, um, which is basically just a really an excuse for me to have an excuse to learn something new, either a new pr material, new process, new technique. Uh, as a skill collector, it's sort of my... Uh, it's my bread and butter, basically. It's what I do. I, I, if I may, one of, one of your examples that I like is you took an old Nintendo and you turned it into a portable Nintendo with projector, projector wireless controllers, wireless charging for the wireless controllers... All within the Nintendo unit. Did I kind of? I feel like I missed a couple details there, but there was a kickstand in there. But it's close enough. Yes, for the projector. I <laughs> yes. thought that went without saying. <laughs> but the idea is that, being that you can take something that grabs people's attention and their their pulls on their heartstrings and use it to introduce them into making things. Is that exactly. kind of? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's it. All Brilliant. right. All right. Well, so that's just wanted to give the groundwork because sometimes we forget to do that. We assume people know what we're talking about. And let's be honest. Uh, most people have no clue what we're talking about. That's fair. Including me. Yeah. But it's yeah, time for history and fun facts. Uh, Wes, did you do any research uh, for history and fun facts on, on geeksmithing? A little bit. Hit us with it. Well, it started, I started geeksmithing. The first inception of the idea was that Woodworkers in America, I believe, it, WIA, in 2014 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. The, it was a conference that was there. I live in North Carolina, so it was only a couple hours away. And Steve Ramsey happened to announce he was going to be there, along with some other people of the maker community, at which time it wasn't really that big, I would say. It was still pretty intimate. Uh from what I can recall, Bob, I think, had around 20,000 subs, give or take. <laughs> and uh, there was a lot of people like Matt Cremona and Izzy Swan and a bunch of people that are household names now, but they were all new to me at the time as well. Like, I was just getting into the online making stuff. I sort of dropped cable as a media source and I started picking up YouTube and subscribe the, the novelty of subscribing to different people and looking forward to their content and all that sort of thing so eight years ago in september i bought geeksmithing.com after being inspired by others watching what they create and you have creating a platform to share things and i thought that was really awesome and so i wanted to do that so that's that's when it started all right. This, this sounds kind of like it's part of the personal history. We're gonna we're gonna hold off on the rest of this until we no, get deeper. No, into the no, show. no. Yes, yes, we are. No. All right. Fine. No, no. This Go is ahead, Tom. Go ahead. No, this is this is the actual history of geeksmithing geek because what people don't realize is that that is Wes's his channel name for everything. Correct. Geeksmithing. He named. He coined his own skill. Oh, so, are, wait a minute, Tom. Wait a minute. Yeah. Are you saying oh, this may invalidate my whole my whole thing? So it does, yeah. and I didn't are realize you, it go, until I'm, he started talking. Can I go next and just get the, <laughs> and just get this out there? Yeah, go ahead. Because I thought I thought I had found like the mother load of research. Um, because I went out to research this topic, 
And, you know, like any topic, I go out, you know, you go out and you Google around, you try to find some information on it. And I found a whole YouTube channel called Geeksmithing. And so I just started oh, no watching videos. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there were, there were videos of, like, Mario nurseries. There was, there was this video where, like, the guy used uh, Blender in combination with VR to, to do a live stream. I mean, it was uh, – or Unity. I guess it was probably Unity. Thank you. But, it was, uh, yes. Um, I mean, there was just some really cool stuff. And, and this is probably why – this is why Wes looks so familiar to me now. But I thought I had found the ultimate history on geeksmithing, and, and now it's kind of coming together. Yeah, yeah. So they're sort yeah, of go, ahead, go, ahead, yep. go yeah. ahead, Tom. Did you find any research? Because that was like my my research on this. Well, I wanted to I wanted to talk about something that predates geeksmithing, like many things do, because you said 2014, I believe. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually currently listening to Adam Savage's book, um, Every Tool's a Hammer. Is that the name of it? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't have a question mark on the cover. I just wasn't sure what the name of it was. Um, and it's actually really good. It puts a lot of things that we all think and things that we all say sometimes into really good perspective. Um, but, you know, prop making and and um, set making and just making things that don't exist until somebody says it is kind of what leads you towards geeksmithing like it is in fact he made a lot of the things that you are probably nostalgic about and um i didn't realize how many movies he worked on way way back uh it was rather fascinating so go check out his book for sure not a sponsor and i don't (laughs) recommend it um but 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 you do recommend the audio book yeah for sure definitely (laughs) There, oh, something weird happened. There's like I'm just started a new chapter, and he introduced somebody else's voice, but it sounds exactly like him. And I have to rewind to when he introduced the voice because I wasn't listening. <laughs> but I'm like, it's just him, but like a little gravelier. Maybe maybe Very he strange. had like a cold or something, you know, during the recording. Uh, maybe, and he was like, Did I you think just that's what it was. Me? But I, I totally missed the introduction, and I didn't rewind it, and I should have. Anyways, PJ. What did you not research about geeksmithing, seeing that all of the history of geeksmithing was just laid out before us? Well, I I wanted to know the origins. And so, of course, the origins of of anything geek are intertwined with nerd, you know. So we had to differentiate the two things. And I found a little write-up about it uh, that that talks about the two things together. And it says that the, the first mention of nerd is in a Dr. Seuss book called If I Ran the Zoo. And it's talking about really? an, an angry little old man who was called a nerd. And then it was later used in a 1951 Newsweek article to refer to a drip or a square, being b- both being people, not, not shapes. Right, right. Uh, but that's the first reference of a nerd, a geek was an early 20th century term for a carnival worker who was so unskilled that the only thing that they could do to entice an audience was to bite the heads off of live animals. That's <laughs> Osborne? That checks out. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, 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 that's I've he read was, that before. you know, he yeah. was a geek. Yeah. So, uh, but both terms were uh, retained connotations of undesirable social traits and behaviors until the late 20th century when their meanings became a little bit more fluid. Uh, and now uh, they're a little bit more socially acceptable. Uh, according to this article, geeks are described as more community-oriented and uh, are likely to engage in fan-ish behavior, such as collecting memorabilia uh, and those type of things, whereas nerds tend to be associated with specialized technical knowledge and they're more interested in detailed theory than trends. So that's the d- d- differentiation. Um, but just so I could, could go into the collecting, uh, I decided to find out what was the most valuable collectible geek-wise that was out there. Uh, and I found two. So the most collectible comic book 
1938 uh, number 275 of Action Comics, which is where Superman was introduced. Uh, it was originally 10 cents for that copy. There are supposedly 100 of these in existence. It sold at auction for $3.25 million. What? Yeah. So that's that's uh, that's the most expensive geek memorabilia you can get. And then the second most expensive was Detective Comics number 27, which sold for $2.1 million. And this is where Batman was introduced in 1939. And there's uh, fewer than 200 of those available. So, so that's 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 uh, my research and fun facts for uh, for the the, the smithing well, king later. If you're going the, to the comic book store, if you're going to go down to the comic book store, I mean, asking your mom for three and a quarter million has got to be rough. My mom's loaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, she means money. Hey, mom, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride my bike down to the comic book store. Well, my mom's got a lot of potatoes. That's what I'm saying. She's loaded. Yeah. We got lots of cheddar cheese, sour cream. We're we're all over. You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. All right. I got two deals, but I'm only gonna do one. I'm gonna hold over the other one until next week because. It's still it's still in my truck, and it's frozen. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that next week. But the one I've got for this week is called The Three-Minute Montgomery Machinist. And uh, I was thinking of Tanda with this one specifically. This guy named Jeremy, I caught this deal on Facebook Marketplace at three minutes after being posted. This guy named Jeremy put up a Montgomery Ward Powercraft machinist toolbox that was all metal for 20 bucks in like let's say okay condition there was still some paint on it but there was also some rust it had been dinged up there was you know it needed some attention i sent him a message and i said hey how about 15 bucks he's like yeah come get it and so uh, i went over there to go and pick it up and it was it was a weird happenstance where the address he gave me was the rear of an address so it's like off the main road and i turn off and there's a car like an empty car running with its lights on next to the end of the building and i'm and it's got like darkened windows so i can't tell if he's in there and i'm i'm like hello and i'm like waving and there's nothing no movement no anything so i just pulled the truck up and i i get out and I text him, I'm like, I'm here. And there's a rear entrance to the building and there's a light on. So I'm like, ah, oh, he must be inside already. And then I hear somebody yelling and I look and way at the back of the property, not connected to this building at all, like two, 300 feet away is this guy next to a garage, like, like a rundown garage that looks like it might've been bombed once or twice. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's where I'm supposed to go. So, so I got back in my truck. I drove over. And uh, he's got like a little mechanic shop set up in this place. And we go inside. And I don't know why. This is not a small toolbox. I, I didn't measure it, but it's, it's rather wide and tall. Um, and he's got the thing in like a, he took a plastic bag and seated it over. Oh, geez, I lost my bell. Uh, he, he's got a plastic bag over the the toolbox that's so tight we can't get it off like i don't know how he got it on and he's like you want to take a look at it i'm like yeah i i want to look at it before i give you money so then we're trying to get it off and, and it's not coming off so then we kind of have to tear it off a little bit and anyway he tells me that this came out of a a family member's house he thought that he was going to use it and then he didn't use it and he's like trying to show it to me and he like pulls one of the drawers open and one of the slides isn't engaged. So then it like almost falls off. He's like, oh, it needs a little help. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's no, I, I can fix that. It's no problem. So then the two of us pick it up because it's got handles on each side and it's very heavy and we couldn't get some of the drawers open. It was like it was stuck. So I'm thinking this thing has got to be full of tools. Like he couldn't get the drawers open. So there's like tools inside. And, um, you know, I paid him the 15 bucks. I lay, leave. And then I went home 
and there's three uh it's, it's one of those toolboxes where the top comes down and it pushes on levers and those levers keep it locked so you have to open the top and then it releases the levers and then you can pull the drawers out well this one you open the top and none of the drawers open <laughs> because it had been <laughs> not used for so long nothing was releasing so i had to like dump all kinds of like wd-40 and croil down there and like push these things up and down like it was a video game to get them to like spring back and then one of them wasn't working it wouldn't spring up and down so the short version is oh, i wait, eventually wait, uh, tom tom and yeah yep uh, west sidebar i i oh i am so hoping that this story if when pj gets back and he ends it i'm hoping that it ends with the guy going all the way back to the end of the building to the black car with the tinted windows and saying, dudes, I just got rid of a body for 15 bucks. I stuffed it in a toolbox. <laughs> oh, if it doesn't end that way, I'm going to totally be disappointed. I'd be so disappointed now. Here's the end. He's back. Oh, I hope it, I hope it comes out good. And then I couldn't believe when I got the bottom drawer open, there was a dead rabbit in there. That I did not expect. <laughs> it was a bunch of pencils and paper clips, but the dead rabbit I didn't know what to do with, so I just uh, I threw it outside. Oh. I was it's it's now out to go with your dead bird collection from the the bandsaw yeah you know what there's there's a weird happenstance with those birds um i put i I put i tell you guys i put them outside because you know the zombie bird i didn't want that in the shop and when i put them outside it rained so then like i couldn't do anything with them because they were wet because i wanted to salt and burn them so that way you know they don't haunt me and uh then after it rained it snowed and I'm like, oh man. So then I'm like trying just, to, I'm trying to scoop the snow out, and then I'm just like, oh, it'll melt. It'll just melt. And then we had ice rain. So now they're frozen solid in this this container, and then it just snowed again last night. And I'm like, oh man, these birds are gonna haunt me forever. Like I'm, I'm never gonna get rid of them. Their, their spirits are gonna be so. <laughs> um, but but now they're they should be warm because I threw that dead rabbit on top of them. But um, but I didn't find any tools in the box. It was just a bunch of junk, like paper clips and pencils and stuff. So it's it's just a, it's the whole thing is metal. Okay. The whole thing is metal. It's just a heavy old vintage box. Um, I don't know. I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say 1960s. You know, it's 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 not it's not new. I don't know when Montgomery Ward stopped making machinist toolboxes. Um, but I, I took the whole thing apart, cleaned it all up. And uh, I went by, uh, I was walking through TJ Maxx to get to the parking lot, and I saw they had uh, those really thin, thin yoga mats for 10 bucks. And I'm like, oh, this will make a great drawer liner. So then they had a blue yoga mat, not my color blue, but close enough. And I cut that up, and I was able to line every single drawer except for the top compartment with blue yoga mat. So now everything's nice and cushioned, nothing's going to slide around. And uh, I, I double lubed it with WD-40 and um, some um, Teflon grease. Everything is sexy smooth. And I even took off some of the rust and hit it with rust converter. So I did like a, I did a functional restoration. It still looks like but but it was $15. And oh, and I forgot to tell you, when I went to pick it up, the guy was showing me his phone and he had like 20 other guys that were texting him about the toolbox. He's like, he's like, yeah. As soon as I told you to come over, everybody started sending me messages. I'm like, well, now you can say it's sold and you can sleep tonight. So, but that's it. That's my deal. Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in. Maybe we'll read it on air. All right, it's time for personal history. Wes, you already gave us like a tiny bit of your personal history with the geek smithing. Is there something that you want to tell us about it that you didn't tell us at the very beginning of the show? Uh, sure. I can tell you where the, the name came from. and the So there's a logo that goes with it. It's on my channel as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it features a power glove, so it's referencing the nostalgia stuff. And it's holding a hammer similar to like a blacksmith would, but it's a Nintendo, Mario, video game rela related hammer. And on the sticker itself, the shape of it is inspired, and it's also a reference to back in the, the day when I was in the Navy. So it's actually reminiscent of a squadron patch 
that you would find in the U.S. Navy or the Air Force, the way that there's a ribbon underneath the circle of the the emblem and the the title and stuff. So that's sort of the there's a callback in the design of the the patch, and then also the name uh, comes from my grandfather. My grandfather was a gunsmith back in uh, Richmond, Virginia, for forever, and he was the when I was a young kid, he would often pull me into his workshop where he was like the master gunsmith where all the uh, state troopers would bring their personal their their firearms from the job to get him to restore them or fix them or what have you. It was like as the you know, the traditional master and apprentice sort of uh, set up for most skills back in the day, he was like the master mm-hmm. of that craft. And so I would... That's cool. He, he would clear me out a little area on his workbench where I would play with Lego while he was working on this stuff. And it was like my first like maker environment to sort of dive into. And I, had, I have plenty of fond memories of him. So the the name is sort of a, an homage to my grandfather who was a gunsmith. And I've, he built guns, so I build geeky stuff. So it's sort of a another reference there. So so did your grandfather take you out hunting geeks? Is that where the compilation came together? He made he the guns not. and then yeah, the two he, of you went out. I think out. that's what he said. Yeah. Okay. No, oh, I think Clearly. it's fixing fixing geeks. Mm, no, he made true. guns. Yeah. He made guns. He wasn't fixing geeks. They that was they were hunting for sure. That's well that's what I got okay. out of it. Maybe I didn't hear it right. Um I think there's something missing there. Perhaps a lot probably I'll a lot. I'll check the transcript. Yeah. yeah. PJ, have you ever geek smithed anything? <clears throat> well, yes. I have, um, probably more than I know. But the first thing that comes to mind is about maybe hmm, eight years ago, ten years ago, I think, I was contracted to make a prop weapon for a movie. And I can't remember the name of the movie, but they needed a... uh, How was it described? I can't remember exactly what the weapon was for, but what it was is a lens, like a camera lens, that I had put on a uh, like a pistol-style um, assembly, and I had mocked it up using a disposable camera flash system circuit board. And this thing would charge up, and you pull the trigger, and it would flash, and the flash would go through the lens. And it was, if I remember correctly, I believe it was supposed to be a gun that stopped time or froze a person in time or something like that. Um, I have pictures of it somewhere. Um, and maybe that'll be the, well, no, it can't be the thumbnail. Wes's face is going to be the thumbnail for the episode, but maybe I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll include it somewhere if I could, if I could uh, pull it up and remember. But yeah, that was something that um, people paid me money for that, surprisingly. So I did that. Uh, When I was little, you know, I used to make all kinds of models. I was big into like the Robotech and a lot of the robot kind of uh, mecha stuff. So I would get all the little models and things, the the Battletech models and the robots that have the big cannons. And the one thing that I didn't like was, you know, you, you get all these kits and they're unpainted. You're supposed to paint them. But then when you paint them, everything that's supposed to move kind of rubs against the paint and there's friction so then they don't want to move because it's it's sticky and i'm like that that used to frustrate me i didn't know if i was doing things wrong but it was you know it was the paint that was available but i still have those somewhere probably in a box in the attic i don't know but i used to do all that kind of stuff when i was a kid and as far as like the video game stuff goes, I mean, I just used to play the video games. I never really fixed anything. But I'm trying to think of anything specifically um, like geek related. I don't know. I used to, my, my, I've said this before, my dad had an electronic shop and he used to throw out things. So I would raid the the garbage area of the house where the garbage cans were things that were going to get thrown out. And I would pull apart all of these old like TVs and radios. I'd get vacuum tubes and all different kinds of connectors and I would turn them into toys. And I think that's definitely geek related stuff. I mean, this was all electronics, but I would get like, uh, there were these massive, uh, audio connections 
where it was like a quarter inch jack but the it was like a female and a male but then the the part that the jack like surrounded was like a d-cell battery like it was very very thick so i remember i had several of these where i cut the cords off and all i had was the two connectors and i used to pretend that they were like the german grenades you know those baton grenades and like you you'd pull one and you'd throw it and then you know like this was this was what i did when i was a kid i was like i was i, don't, I was and i wasn't fighting germans there were there were alligators in the yard i had to I had to blow the alligators up cuz because there's lots of alligators in New Jersey. That's just how it is. What 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 kid doesn't uh, play right. alligator tag or run from alligators? Right. Or, you know, they they are the nemesis. Maybe right. this is a Captain Hook sort of thing. The reptile Nazis, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but the other thing was my yard had sort of like a sunken section. Like there was like the level of the yard, and then up above that was sort of a I don't know how to explain it. A little plateau, and that's where my it wasn't a treehouse, but it was like a fort. And so I was up there throwing the grenades down onto the yard where all the alligators were because they couldn't climb up the hill because, you know, alligators are elevated, challenged. I don't know. They, they just couldn't make it. So, so no? So, so you haven't done any geeksmithing before? Probably not, no. All that to say? All that to say you haven't? Oh, great. Tanda, you've done tons of geeksmithing way before it was cool. I don't, I don't really like, feel that. I mean, uh, listening to the definition and kind of thinking about it and, right, uh, and thinking enough. about PJ's uh, definition of nerd and geek, I think I'm more of a nerdsmith than I, than I am a geeksmith. You um, are a nerdsmith. I'm a, that is I'm a, a good, I'm buying that URL before and anybody so, can. <laughs> but, I, you know, I was thinking of things that I, like, hacked and worked on. Sure. And they weren't really... Um, they weren't really things that I was nostalgic about or that were toys or were things. I mean, one of the first things I remember, um, you know, kind of hacking or taking apart was like an old shortwave radio, um, like the old leatherette cased radios. And I, I took the guts out of it and I built a phone inside of it. And then I used the headphones as a phone. And that was kind of a fun a fun build because like friends would be over and this was like an old landline phone, but the phone would start ringing and this radio sitting on the shelf would start ringing and I would pick up the headphones and I would hold one over my mouth and I'd hold one up to my ear and, and, and then I would switch it from AM to FM and that answered the phone, that picked up the hook on the phone um, and just start talking to whoever was calling. And so that was a fun you know, just kind of a, a hack. And then I remember I built my own computer out of the back of a magazine, a Timex Sinclair um, kit. And, uh, but I, later after that, I sold that to my uh, t teacher. When I was in 10th grade, I sold it to my literature teacher and I bought an Apple, or my parents bought an Apple II. And I did a fair amount of hacking on the Apple as well. I took the ROMs out of it and I reprogrammed them to have, routines in them that were my own my own routines and my own character fonts and um doubled up the roms you could you could put one on top of the other and bend the pins out so you had two address lines and you could i could have my own custom roms that did my own stuff or i could switch back to the original apple roms and so that was uh that was kind of a fun fun thing but the only thing i can think of um, kind of a toy-wise or nostalgia hacking um, that comes to mind is the, you remember the, uh, like the Follow Me games or the Brain Buster games or the, you know, whatever they were, Simon Says games where it like beeped and then you hit the button, it beeped and you hit another, another button. Um, when my kids were little, um, I, they came out with a version of that or a new variant of that. And it was this ball with um, six knobs sticking out the sides of it. And so it would make a sound uh, or it would say a color and a number and or a number. If you went to the harder skills, it would alternate between colors and numbers and kind of mix them up. And you had to turn that, um, that knob up. So it was like big, you could hold on to it. Um, and, uh, and it would say five and you had to turn the five upright within a certain time or it would crash out or it would say blue seven 
2005, and it got faster just like any of those memory games. Um, and I remember uh, after they bored of that, taking it apart and putting an FM transmitter in it. This was probably a bad idea because then it was really obnoxious. But I took it apart and I put an FM transmitter inside of it. So it broadcast that to a, a FM station and you could tune a nearby FM radio to it and that like blast this whole thing out on the stereo. And so then you could, you know, have family game time or whatever. And this thing was just like roaring out over the over the stereo. Uh, and so that was that was kind of fun. But uh, that's uh, I mean, I've done I've certainly done other geeky things, but I'm not a nostalgia gamer person for being as nerdy as I am. I guess I'm I'm more nerdy than geeky is what that comes down to. I don't I don't do a <laughs> lot of, uh, you know, like comics and and gaming stuff and that sort of thing. I I just I I'm not an expert here, Tanda. But I, I believe that there is somebody has a channel called called Nerd Forge, don't they? I think there's a Nerd Forge. It seems to me like the Nerd Forge needs to get together with the geek smithing in order to make something, like the smithing and the forging. Go hand in hand, don't they? That's yeah. I think so. You would I think, think so. so. Yep. Well, as as you were describing your logo, I I created a nonprofit to try to get kids interested in STEM through making. Um, it's been maybe four years ago now, and and it was called Modern Apprentice, and I commissioned a logo from one of these logo contest sites, um, and I gave them some prompts, and but the logo is basically a uh, an astronaut. It's someone in a spacesuit, but with an anvil and hammer, and they're on the surface of the moon. Um, and so, and the, and the name of it was called Modern Apprentice. And, uh, and so that was kind of reminiscent of kind of this weird mix of this old apprentice master concept, but with a really modern twist. So, That's cool. I dig that. I, I was just thinking about... Um, Nothing you were talking about, Tanda. I was thinking about Tom making fun of me for not geeksmithing anything. And then I remembered I went through Wes's page earlier today, and I saw that he had a snapshot of the startup screen for City Heroes. And I am an OG City Heroes guy from the early 2000s. And, I mean, I played probably for about five years before you know I, I got distracted with something. And then um, eventually that game... I think it got shut down around 2012 and yep. uh, somebody recently um, started running it and I can't remember if it was last year or if it was the year before when the pandemic started but I found it again and I rebuilt all my characters and I even made some new ones and oh no it was two years ago it was right when the pandemic yeah. started because that yep. was when uh, that was when the first Mandalorian show was out and I made a Boba Fett hero and I got flagged <laughs> because for for uh, infringement for like copyright infringement they flagged my my character so his uh his his the the guy is still there but they deleted his costume so I had to make him a new costume um anyway uh that the game's fantastic that, yeah that game is really awesome if you're not familiar the city of heroes the 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 game that goes with it is the the city of villains and it is completely based around you building your own hero. Uh, there's a there's a costume generator, so you there's thousands upon thousands of different variations and heroes. Although you'll see a lot of the the popular styles, people will double up and mimic. You'll see some some people that look very familiar, but I tried to always make mine very very unique. And uh, I'm a writer, so I would write backgrounds for all the heroes and my my one character this is super geeky so my one character um my main character was called the frisky frostus and she was an ice electric blaster and her background was that she was uh or she was russian came to the united states uh, but when she was a baby there was an accident her her dad this is one of the weird things i remember from school i remember learning that it's so cold in russia that they change the oil on the trucks without shutting the trucks off because if they turn the trucks off they would never start back up again because it's too cold so in the story 
her father is a is a mechanic that does oil changes on these trucks and this one truck was moving nuclear waste and so it's got all these barrels of nuclear waste and he's doing the oil change and the this the girl's name is Sasha her and her brother are in the office in this big aircraft hangar where the, he's he's working on the truck and something happens where the governor for the truck starts to rev up so the engine starts racing and he's hitting it with a mallet trying to get it to release and then it throws the truck into gear and then it goes careening across the aircraft hangar and then it hits a jack flips over and this barrel of toxic waste goes right into the office and douses her and her brother and then they almost die but the hospital saves them and then years later she has an accident where she's trying to get her ice maker to work and she gets sprayed <laughs> in the face with refrigerant and electricity so she gets electrocuted and she gets refrigerant and that's where her cold and electric powers come from they get active they activate the the toxic Dormant. waste that was in her system uh, and that's her origin story and i liked her so much i actually wrote a tv series i have i'm like two or three episodes into a tv series for her and the series includes the other heroes and villains i made from the game so the this the game turned to me it turned into a character generator i made these these characters that had specific powers and then i put them all into the same story so uh, so there that's top that's that su- tom that's sufficiently geeky <laughs> see see wes approves still, still didn't so, listen so, to the so tom have you done any that's okay yeah yeah i did i did a little bit i mean you realize <clears> you're um, like kind of under the gun to to meet the criteria exactly come on tom i have i have uh two and a half examples um i've made two rc lawnmowers because in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, there's an RC lawnmower, which everyone seems to forget. They think I invented it, but there's, like, no one's invented anything in the last hundred years, I swear. Uh, especially if it's been on the internet. Um, so I did that, but more recently, I saw the Nintendo video that I mentioned earlier, and I was like, I want to make that. And I actually started to source some of the parts... <clears throat> And I have some uh, Pico projectors, like Optoma mm-hmm. Pico projectors. I just happen to have two of them for some reason in my life. And I wanted I wanted to make exactly what you made. And then it kind of shifted. I was like, I don't know when or where I'll use it. Not that that's the criteria, obviously. But I wanted to make something more functional for me. And I made a wall-hanging Nintendo. Um... It's a it's square because lots of things were square back then. I feel like, and there I used a laptop. I harvested a laptop screen, and on eBay you can buy controller boards that actually take HDMI and everything and um, let you run old laptop screens. So there's a laptop screen on the top. It says Nintendo in the white and red. The whole thing is like a dark gray, and then in the bottom I have two circles where where speaker grills are. And it uses wireless controllers, and it's a it's a RetroPie that's hidden in there. And you can I, I technically I haven't finished it. The intent was to put a battery pack in it, which is why I was harvesting all those laptops in the first place um, for those batteries. But the idea is that you can just hang this thing on your wall, and you can have one that says Nintendo, and you can have one right next to it that says Sega, and have one right next to it that says whatever game system you want. And the controllers are hidden in the top shelf. And that was, that was my, that is what I did with the inspiration from your video, Wes. That sounds awesome. I want to see this. Uh, it's way back in my Instagram feed. All right. I'll, I'll tag you. Yeah, cool. I remember, I remember seeing it and it, there, I've wanted to do something similar for a long time and, uh, eventually I think I'll get around to it cause I've just, it's been hanging out there for a long time. And that is to make like a thick frame, uh, like a something that hangs on the wall. You picture you walk up to it, and it's just like a like a painting or something, but it's kind of a kind of a, a, a thickish framed painting on the wall. Um, and then it has a uh, like a mantle under it, like you see a painting or something, and it has like the little shelf under it. Um, but when you walk up to it, it it opens up like a dartboard or whatever. 
and then the mantle folds out and it's a it's a retro pie um, stand up arcade but it just all folds up against the wall like a like a painting with a shelf under it and then you you huh. flip the shelf down and you've got where you stand with the controls and then it's a flat screen TV behind the and then you just have you have like a console machine but it's only like a couple That's inches cool. thick on the wall and you can walk up to it and play it and then fold it away. That's really cool. Isn't um Keith Decent making not the same thing, but he's making like a, a someone's ba- table like you said, I a, mean nothing's new. Someone's bound to have done it cuz No, I mean, no, no. No, but I think he's doing it right now though. I'm going to look him up real quick. Like he's making a TV that will pop up out of I'm calling it a hallway table because it's like a thin table. Oh, yeah. Yeah, TV like, lifts like are, really, entryway table. are really common. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, oh, like, yeah, secret... I think it's... You know, speaking like of secret arcade. entrance yeah. kind of stuff, um, if you guys like secret compartments and things like that, uh, I just watched... It's a 2012, I think, remake. It's called Dark Shadows with Donnie, Johnny Depp, where he's, uh, he's a vampire, and uh, he's been... Uh, buried in the ground for 200 years and then he gets dug up and his family is still in this town on the coast anyway he, they have this mansion and uh the family that's living there doesn't know about all the secret compartments that are in the mansion but he knows where all of them are and there's a whole bunch of really cool ones uh in the movie if you like that kind of stuff hmm. um like there's there's one where he hits like a, there's like a little brass uh circle on the floor and he pushes the button in with his cane and the fireplace retracts into the wall, and then it it, it uh, reveals a staircase going down. So you actually walk underneath the lit fire to get into this secret room. And, and there's a whole bunch of them. It's not just that one. There's a bunch of them. But um, that's uh, it's worth cool. watching. And it's a funny movie. Well, shaky darn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial energy loops and stuff. Hey y'all, this is Edna down at Johnson's Hardware. Are you a geeksmith looking for nostalgic items? Well, we have just the thing for you. It's the Nostalgiamatic 1967. The Nostalgiamatic 1967 can be calibrated with any nostalgic item you have about, and then it will sniff out nostalgic items wherever you go. Simply put a piece of your nostalgic item in the one-inch cube calibration chamber, and the Nostalgiamatic will then beep every time you're within 10 feet of a similar nostalgic item. It can also be used with fruit. Put in a grape or a plum and it'll find raisins and prunes even in your seat cushions. Carry the Nostalgiamatic with you in the car pre-calibrated and you're ready for any kind of garage sale, tag sale, flea market, or any other place that you might find nostalgic goods. Don't use the Nostalgiamatic above 37% humidity in public parks or in restrooms. Always wear hearing protection and remember that the Nostalgiamatic may cause blindness. Nostalgiamatic uses 27 D-cell batteries. You can get the Nostalgiamatic for just $47.52 at Johnson's Hardware. You'll find us at patreon.com forward slash makerskills. What the heck, Nabbit? I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right, it's time for crossbreeding. Wes, what skill goes well with geeksmithing? Just one. 3D modeling. 3D modeling. 3D modeling is a skill. Good answer. Good answer. We're very familiar with on this podcast, yes. Uh, Tom, what skill goes well Mm -hmm. with geeksmithing? I love how I asked Tom. He knew what segment this was, and he looks like a deer in the headlights. No, I had one in my head, and you started talking. Every show, every week, Tom, every week. Oh, so... No, it's okay. Repli- I don't, it doesn't bother me. Replicating. I was going to say painting. That's what tripped me off. He said 3D modeling. I was like, you got to paint those three models. But replicating. Attention to detail. It's something I'm working on right now, literally, with this Chevy pickup truck model kit that I picked up to get me into, into that hobby of painting things, painting detail. So replicating. Final answer. I'm going to allow it. Tanda, what skill goes well <laughs> with geeksmithing? I'm going to say researching. 
I think anytime you're you're <laughs> trying to put together nostalgic items or find out how they were used or where they can be found or uh, if they're valuable or you know ways you can hack them, it always leads to researching. In fact, I end up spending more time researching anything like that that I'm doing than I do actually actually doing. It always sends me down a research rabbit hole. All right, yeah, research is important. Uh, I'm going to go with the one that, that mm-hmm. Tom off. I'm going to say reading. you got to be able to read if you're going to be doing geeky stuff, you know. Listen, kids, reading. listen, I just, for the for the kids out there, don't get hung up on that. Reading's not a big deal. It's not, I mean, it's like math. When are you going to use that in your real life? He's just he's just trying to be funny. Yeah, I just say that to, to get a reaction out of Tom. That's true. That's true. But I am going to stick with it. I'm going to say reading. That's such a lame answer. <laughs> and now it's time for Give Me Your Best Guest. Yeah. All right, Wes. We know that geek smithing is your, your main dominant skill. But we want to know your top five. So one at a time. Don't, don't, don't throw them all out at once. What is your number two skill? Besides 3D modeling? You could say 3D no, modeling that's if that's your number two skill. Yeah. Hobby electronics. Hobby, And how did you get into the hobby electronics? I learned a lot of that stuff when I went into the Navy. Uh, I was in late 2000, or late, late 90s, early 2000s uh, for four years. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on a yes. second, Wes. You, yes. you went into the Navy and they taught you hobby electronics? That they taught me electronics. Have, oh, regular electronics. Okay, okay. Yes. I just want to make sure. I don't sure do it I'm, professionally anymore, so it's a hobby. So yeah. I, I was about to say, man, is I'm all of a sudden my faith in the Navy just <laughs> dropped. Like if they're out, they got you out there, you know, remote controlling little tiny model boats. <laughs> oh yeah. I I don't know. I I feel funny about that, but but okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was an aviation <laughs> electronics technician, so I worked on radar and computer Ooh. systems and radio systems on several different air, aircraft for the Navy. And so I learned electronic system, electronic kind of uh, theory and wiring diagrams and schematics. And a lot of that stuff is, I don't use a lot of the stuff I learned then, but like the fundamentals are still there. So it's, it's constantly, I, I love the tinkering like loop that you can get into where you just sort of lose kind of, you get sort of get in that flow state, I guess. And where you're just like tinkering mm-hmm. with stuff and mm-hmm. program, like I love, like a little program. I'm not really a, a great programmer, but I know enough to be dangerous and I'm a great Googler, so I can sort of copy and paste my way out of a corner usually uh, to be somewhat successful. But I would say, yeah, I would start with the Navy. I learned um, personal computer stuff back then as well. as a, When I wasn't doing Navy stuff in my off time, a buddy of mine and I got tired of going into CompUSA and being like shunned for not knowing all the terminology for different hardware components and what have you. We didn't really know enough. And they knew it, and we got And so we bought a bunch of books one weekend and bought a broken computer from a friend for 100 bucks and tore that thing apart and using... Go ahead. Hold on. Yes. You 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 learned it out of spite. Out of spite? Yes, <laughs> I learned most things out like, of spite. Have you, you seen? Isn't have you seen? Works? Have you? Yeah, everything works that way. Have you seen the movie The Other Guys? Yes. With Mark Wahlberg. Yes, in Will Ferrell. Where yeah. Mark Wahlberg he like breaks into like this really great ballerina dance, and they're like, "You know how to do that?" He's like. Yeah, I used to make fun of this kid in high school, and I learned how to do this to make fun of him. Yeah. And like, he, like <laughs> ten things in the movie came up like that, where he learned these things out of spite. <laughs> so perfect. Sorry, continue. Yeah. So all basing on the electronics uh, background of the Navy, but there were several offshoots uh, along my path that have dipped back into the electronics or computer sort of well. So I, I constantly uh, reference those things mentally. It's a good source for those loops and rabbit holes because yeah. it's like, oh, if that worked, then this other thing, you know, if I could get that to light up or move, I could use it here, and then that leads to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I do the same thing. I'm not good at designing stuff, but I'm good at building things, and I could read a schematic. Uh, you know, I used to be at an electrical mechanical troubleshooter, but I do a lot of things that are just unnecessary, like 
I'll put a safety toggle switch that lights up on something that already has a power switch just so there's two switches because I like it. And, and I have hmm. I have several. Like I bought like 20 of them. I only used one, but I got 19 others that are just waiting. I'm just waiting for something. All right, but let's go on to skill number three. I would say game development software. Oh, you you make games? You yeah, in a, in a previous epic. life, I worked. <laughs> what'd you say? I said that's epic. I, it was a pun. Well, it's funny you say that. I worked at Epic. <laughs> epic games. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Okay. That's why. Did you yeah. really? <laughs> <laughs> oh. See, she oh, did man. the research, sir. Yeah. She did the research. Spoilers. Yeah, I worked at Drop Epic Games rumors. for uh, three years. Drop some names, man. What what games did you work on? I worked on Gears of War 3. I worked on Gears of War Judgment. Whoa. I worked on Infinity Blade. I worked on Bulletstorm. Wow. Those are the, yeah, those are the ones. I've heard of some of those. Some of those. I've been playing, I haven't been playing console games for, I don't know, like 15 years. It's been a while. Computer games and phone yeah. games is pretty much where I'm at these days. I also worked on the Unreal Engine, which is powers like everything too so right yeah oh, that's very yeah. cool hey that that powers the the mandalorian cool. indeed so that's that's how they're shooting the mandalorian unreal engine that's that's very cool so that's super cool i feel like this this the the show just got elevated somehow <laughs> i was um, a game tester primarily but yeah so i think you're overqualified to be on the show we better wrap this up <laughs> all right that works all right. So what is what is? And then Wes and then Wes's feet just went blank. He was looking for that out the whole show. Be quiet, Tom. Be quiet. All right. And number four. What's skill number four? I would say traditional art skills. Art skills, as in mm. painting, sculpture. You you paint sculptures. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 kind of things are you? So sculpting? literal. You're so literal. Well, for various projects, I've sculpted different things. I've sculpted a Mario and a cart out of insulation foam mm. um, that is like four feet long that hangs on my son's bedroom ceiling uh, that has oh. electronics <laughs> in it as well and 3D modeling and CNC work and 3D printing all mixed into one. So it's sort of, if I can mix multiple skill sets into one project, I'm, I'm very happy. I have to commend you on your your choice of foam. It probably would have been a bad idea to sculpt it out of marble and hang it over your son's bed. I think that uh, as a father, that was a that was a good move. <laughs> Just saying, foam was a have good you, choice. Have you seen that? I had video? a comment like that on on the video. And yeah, yeah I think yeah. in the I think in the video, maybe it must not have been that video. It must have been a follow on video where you're like talking about, uh, you know. And I know I I appreciate your concern, but this isn't going to fall. This this isn't you know something that weighs a lot this isn't over the bed exactly and so on and so on yeah so you've heard that i appreciate you uh paying attention to those details because most people that watch that stuff they're like oh let me write an ask you to comment underneath you know i've I've fallen into watching (laughs) watching videos and thinking i don't know it's guys guess it's kind of a game i play with myself i watch the video and i think of all of the trolly things that people are going to say and i try to think of like (laughs) like oh people are going to like go off on this and and obviously the person has thought of that and then i go look for him in the comments yep, yep, and yep. sometimes i sometimes i try to troll the troll the treasure yeah. hunt yeah. yeah 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 tanda's good like that all right wes we're at number five the golden skill what do you got hmm that's a tough one i would say Hmm. 3D printing, but it sort of falls really close to 3D modeling. But I use a lot of 3D printing. In I I see. No, I disagree. I disagree. One's a the modeling is to the completely. Other. The, you look. You could be great at 3D modeling. 3D printing is a whole separate thing. That's a whole. It, there's the whole another skill set for the printing. You know, because like we were we were talking about in the pre-show, I just modeled something up, and the model was flawless. But then the print with the supports and everything, lots sure. of problems. Lots of problems. There's a lot of troubleshooting, the direction it's printing, getting everything just to, to work from the printer's limitations. That's a whole other skill set. Um, and I think that's that's something that people that don't have 3D printers don't understand. That, you know, there's uh, the way that it's built is something that has to be considered 
sure. uh, in order to get the best thing out of it. Yeah, if you 3D model something for a video game, it isn't necessarily going to work in, as a 3D printed object and vice versa. There's different cheats you do for both that aren't necessarily compatible mm-hmm. with one another. Yeah. That, that seems to be a common theme where like modeling for video games, if you're doing something in Blender or something, you're modeling for a video game, that's a completely different model at the end of the day than what you would use for 3D printing or in CAD. Yep. And people new to it just kind of they're both something that you can see visually it's 3d and so they think they can give you you know this model with you know 10 million facets that looks great rendered to 3d print and vice versa and the same thing happens in the 2d world where it's like well this looks looks good on screen but it's you know it's a gif file and i need something else if i want to do a vector laser cut of it it seems to be you know there are kind of these two two different approaches to the same thing and at first blush they seem like they are the same thing until you are actually trying to use those skills and then you realize oh this 3d world is divided into two different completely different things yeah Yeah, definitely yeah i run into that constantly like even last night i wanted to and you need an Avengers logo for one a project that I'm currently working on. And it's so easy to just like, oh, let me just Google, see if anybody else has already made it. You know, I could just download it. That's fine. I found like three examples. And actually, like when I get in there and inspect them to like, because I need to modify them a little bit for my uses. And there's always something wrong with them or something is like a boneheaded mistake that they're putting. They're, like, they're hiding with the geometry. Like if you look in the geometry, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on that's going to load it like lend itself to so many problems right, they wanted to get rid of a line so they just put a white oh, square yeah, over the top of it it's just it's just bad <laughs> and it depends on what software they use to generate it as well that can lead to a whole, whole host of problems uh and the person i looked in the description like oh you use sketchup to generate this i'm like well you know that can be good or bad based on what you're trying to do with it everything has a an optimum workflow and they're good, good at some things and not others so it just it just depends so i'm probably going to end up having to open Maya and 3D model the stuff myself, which is usually what I do. I just opened a file um, for someone and uh, they modeled it. I mean, and it's for a, it's for a part, it's for something at work and it's, and, and this group works in very small things, but this thing is like six inches across and they modeled it in, um, in microns. And so, but of course I imported into DXF and it's like 372,000 microns across or whatever. You know, it's just, but, it, and it's like circles, but they've been kind of faceted, you know, at some scale in the DXF. But because they were working in microns, there are, I don't know how many facets. It's like, it's like a 20 meg file and it's a circle <laughs> with some lines on it, basically. And it, it killed my software. I tried to open it in a different software to rescale it and it killed the software. It was so big and it's basically a circle with a bunch of lines across it. You got to convert so it to qubits. Those, That's what it is. Those Tandy. things happen. I think it needs to be converted to, to qubits. Yeah. I had to, I brought it into fusion, um, a file from the same person and I had to scale it twice because I didn't know this until I got this recent file, but uh, fusion will only let you scale things like by 10,000 times smaller, I think, or a thousand times smaller in one go. Hmm. And then you can scale that again, but it'll only let you type in a certain size number into the scaling. And then I scaled it twice and it totally ruined it. It was, uh, (laughs) so I had to draw, had to draw it from, had to draw it from scratch. But uh, yeah, those (laughs) things happen a lot. And so I think that's kind of a shared maker experience of having that friend that's like, oh, I've got a file. Can you do this for me on the laser? Mm. And it's like, this, this is a, this is a 20 by 20 uh, uh, web web browser icon <laughs> that's a gif <laughs> yeah and, and yeah. you and you want to sign for the front of your car of it right yeah i'll tell you uh just going from the 3d modeling to the printing the thing that is currently the bane of my existence repeatedly is fonts just like you when you're in the 3d modeling software like i try to make the fonts accurate to whatever it is that i'm trying to replicate and I work really hard at that. And you can get super detailed in the 3D modeling software. And then it goes to print and it just does like a line. 
like there's there's no it doesn't even if it sort of looks like the font you're lucky half the time the stuff is so small it'll only print like half a letter or it'll print like a dot because it was too thin because i'm looking at stuff like super zoomed in but it's actually like you know 0.4 millimeters wide <laughs> and right. the slicing software is like no no we're not doing that that's not happening you have to, you have to drop a, a model of your nozzle into into your model so you can kind of get a sense of uh, where you're hitting limitations yeah but that's that's why i differentiate those skills you know there's definitely a disconnect but those were good skills man gotta Thank give you. it to you you got some props and he made them himself <laughs> get it i got it was that our best guess i don't know but it was a guest all right, it's time for short and sweet. Uh, Wes, do you have anything you want to say to wrap up the show before we go to the secret segment? Wes has got nothing. He's just shaking his head like he he didn't want to be here. Okay, we're moving on to Tom. Tom, do you got anything to wrap up the show? Yeah, go check out Geeksmithing on all of the things. Uh, .com, apparently. Also, YouTube and Instagram. Uh, good stuff. Just good good solid information but uh if you watch his older videos don't buy a k40 laser because he was a big advocate of the k40 forever and you you shut your mouth when you're talking to me i bought one <laughs> i still got it right here i can touch uh, it my but he but 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 he just bought a glowforge which we're going to talk about in a minute but um yeah Go check out Geeksmithing. Also, I have a request. Um, I just got into model kit making briefly, and I need help. Just like random questions, tips, tricks. I have yet to find a YouTuber that I enjoy. Not that there aren't enjoyable YouTubers that I've seen. I just haven't found my YouTuber. So if you guys have recommendations for model making YouTubers, I would even accept figurine painters and things of that nature. But uh, if you guys have recommendations, I will take them. Send them to me at Infinite Craftsman on Instagrams. All right. That's right. all I got. Tanda, do you have anything? Oh, I, before we go to Tanda, I, I want to say that I went to, to Wes's website. And I got to say, I click on something, and it's like electronics projects. And it's a picture of a bird's nest with, like, eggs in it. And I click on that picture, and it takes me to another page with a bird's nest with eggs on it and a bunch of numbers. I gotta say, oh, I went to the I went to the site and those weren't there. I think it's those birds that you've been putting out in the yard freezing. They're, they're starting to. Oh, uh, it's the haunted birds they're haunting you. Yeah. That's, oh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah, they're out there in the interwebs as well. They're haunting my computer. Okay, that that clears everything up. Tanda, did you have anything for short and sweet? No, this is like totally unrelated, but it was something that I just watched on YouTube and and. Uh, uh, ended up watching a, a few different videos by uh, um, Rob Scallon and, and Andrew Hung and their their collaboration that they do, the 1st of October album. And it's it's worth watching. If you just want to watch a couple people just like being like super creative and just having fun together and, and having a product of that just get together in relationship and making something with a friend, um, definitely a good watch. So they get together once a year on the 1st of October and they pr they make an album and they write the songs do all of the all of the music for the songs and then release it on Spotify um and so i watched that a while back and i mean it's out there it's it's an album and it's out there and so um it's just fun to kind of like listen listen to uh you know rob's mom on your spotify driving down the road and just and just picture mom's rob's mom in the bus blasting the same song so if you watch it, you'll get that. But it's uh, it's fun, and they have some they have some other good collaboration videos with the analog synths and stuff that are that are fun. I do have a short All and right. sweet. Oh, oh, Wes is chiming in. What do you got, man? I would mention a friend of mine or two friends of mine. They run a channel called Win Geeks Craft that I recently helped them with a video project, and they took a like the porcelain christmas like like village set that you typically see around that time of year 
they basically corrupted them and inserted like D&D characters and lit things on fire and they basically have the entire village under attack by fantasy creatures. <laughs> it's fantastic. So if you're into model making or painting or electronics, they they scratch all those itches in there and I help 3D print uh, all their little figurines, the characters that they did uh, with my resin printer. So I was busy in December and end of November working on stuff for them. So go check them out, uh, Wing Geeks Craft. Awesome. Tell them I sent you. So, so by corrupt, you mean they actually made it the Better. way that it really happened? Oh yes, yes. Uh, yeah, that's 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 they what an, I heard. They have a nice horse-drawn carriage, and they replace the horse with like this zombified elk that has like ribs yes. sticking out. It's it's great. That's and I got how shocked. it was. I, I, heard I only that, got yeah. shocked twice when making that 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 project with them. So, watch that's the video good. to find out why and how. It's <laughs> awesome. I've been shocking myself all week. I don't know why extra energy i guess uh i'm gonna again i'm doing tom's favorite thing i'm gonna talk about myself tom how do you like that so i 3d printed I'm, i released i did another release on friday fridays i'm trying to do releases for my 3d products division and i released four different uh well they're all the same really but they're four different products they're toggle switch covers that are art deco they're delta homecraft toggle switch covers two different covers two different models and it's uh been getting a good response i got two orders already uh that have been paid for and shipped out which is uh, that's a good success rate for me it's only been out for four days or is it five days four and a half something like that so that's doing well i'm very happy uh, if you guys are interested just shoot me a dm uh right now it's only two colors but you know you can ask for special favors. And I have other things coming uh, that, you know, you guys might be interested in. So keep your eyes peeled. I'd like to thank our top Patreon supporters, which, of course, are very own Tanda and Creator Nader. Uh, we don't have any new Patreons. We don't have, I don't know if we have any new listeners, but I want to talk to the people that are not listening, like I did last week. <laughs> All you that are not listening to this show <laughs> i hope you rot right you should be listening you hear me we do this show so people can listen so every one of you that's not listening you get what you deserve that's all i'm saying it's coming for you Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time.